Welcome from the City of Entertainment. You are listening to Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle LaFong. The only show that really gets personal with the stars. Partnered with Casino Player Magazine, a monthly gaming lifestyle publication with over 88,000 paid subscribers nationally, which now features LaFong's syndicated columns and backstage videotaped interviews online. Our website is lasvegasbackstagetalk.com, where the show is currently streaming live. Now, please welcome your host, comedian Michelle LaFong. Hey, hey. And on the line, we have singing impressionist ventriloquist Terry Fader, the million-dollar winner of America's Got Talent Season 2, who has his own showroom at the Mirage and is celebrating his fifth anniversary at the Terry Fader Showroom at the Mirage at 7.30 p.m. with a brand-new show and a brand-new introduction to a new character. First of all, congratulations, Terry. The show was awesome. Thank you so much. Actually, it's the sixth anniversary, so we're a year past of the fifth. Is, is that right? Show. Is that right? <laughs> and here I was thinking, has it been five years already? <laughs> <laughs> it's been six years already. That's crazy. So how does it feel to you? Did the time fly, or how does it feel? You know, it has absolutely flown, and it's just been, I think the reason why, though, it's gone so quickly is because I keep myself very, very busy. I've written, I've rewritten the show many, many, many times. I've added tons of new characters. Uh, like you mentioned, I added a brand new puppet last night. Um, you know, I'm just constantly trying to keep the show fresh and, and uh, innovative and, and new, and so. And you do, and, you know, I have to say, that I've only seen you once before live, and that was at the Hilton, so that's many, many moons ago, and uh, to me, it looked like you're definitely making a more conscious choice to go in more adult, is that correct? No, actually, uh, no. I, I, I like to keep the show uh, very family-friendly, and, and my criteria is this. If I'm going to do a, a joke that is more on the adult side, there has to be a clean explanation for the kids. I got you. And if you, if you notice, every single uh, double entendre joke that I told last night, there is a clean explanation in case, in case a child was to say, Yes. What does that mean? You yes. have a clean explanation, and that's really important to me. Um, because obviously, you, you know, I don't want to be a children's show. I never have wanted to be a children's show, and I'm a Las Vegas entertainer. So I have no problem telling those double entendre adult-type jokes that mean something completely different to an adult than it would an 8-year-old or a 9-year-old. Gotcha. So that's, that's really where I, where I go. But it is very important to me to make sure that you can bring your kids, and there's no swearing. There's never any swearing uh, in the show. Um, but there will be those little nice little jokes, uh, kind of gems throughout that uh, that the, the adults will take a completely different meaning from the kids. Right. I just don't recall that in the first time I saw you. I recall actually, it being more tame. That's funny, actually, the, my show used to be much much worse. I, I'm not worse, but as far as not, it wasn't as clean as it is now. I, I uh, really. <laughs> yes, I caved in. I caved into the pressure of uh, of being a Vegas entertainer when I first got here. You know, I was kind of getting my feet wet, and people were all saying, oh, you have to have, you know, you have to have some dirty jokes if you're going to be in Vegas. And my show is much cleaner than it used to be uh, when I first started. That is very interesting. Now, I know uh, me entertaining and doing shows, I, I'm a ventriloquist for many, many, many moons. I, no matter how clean I think something is, I find that... 
people in the audience, depending on where you are, will always have something to say. <laughs> yeah, has there ever been anything with you that you can think of that somebody was upset about? Like you saying, like, I remember people were offended that I referred to myself as schizophrenic. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff will always happen. Uh, and really what you have to do is you have to not, uh, not worry about things like that. Because, you know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said you can't please all the people all the time. You just can't. Um, so what I do is I definitely do not set out ever to, to offend anyone. Um, my goal is to make everybody happy and laugh and joy. And, you know, for me, the show is about joyfulness and happiness. And when you leave my show, I hope you're on a high. I hope you just feel fantastic. Yes. But uh, the fact is you, you just cannot please all the people all the time. Some people are going to take offense to, to something. And I will have one person, just like you said, uh, you know, the show, oh, what about those adult jokes? You know, I'll have one person that comes up with their kids and they'll say, thank you so much for keeping the show clean. And then another person will come up and say, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> and, you know, to me, it's, to me, it's all in, in, you know, how you take it. Of course. Uh, if, if there is a clean explanation for, for a joke and you're automatically going to just go for the dirty explanation, that says more about you than it does about me. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Now, with that, you have been ranked on the number two Forbes list of top-earning comics just behind Jerry Seinfeld in 2013. That is amazing. I'm sorry. That is unbelievable. Yeah, who would have ever thought a ventriloquist would uh, be number two? <laughs> that is unbelievable. I mean, I remember that Jeff Dunham made the Forbes list a few times, you know, but this is beyond belief. Number two is, yeah. you know, so, you know, now that uh, I brought up Jeff Dunham and you brought him up in your show as a punchline and it was very funny. I love the way you did that. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> The ventriloquist um, community is a very, very small and crazy one because people don't realize we have ventriloquist conventions. <laughs> yes, they don't. They don't. And I'm just I'm proud to be in that in that uh, uh, community. I really am. I'm very proud to be a ventriloquist. I'm very proud to be a part of the ventriloquial community. I'm proud to be up there with Jeff Dunham as one of one of the ventriloquists that people know uh, uh you know that are that are aware of and uh i'm a huge fan of jeff and uh, i went and saw his show on opening weekend here at the in in las vegas did you uh, and i've been a i did and i'm a big supporter of his and a big fan of his and uh and uh that's well that's one of the reasons why i have the jeff that i'm joking my show and you know it's not a uh, it's not a derogatory it's just a, it's just a very funny way of mentioning him sure but did I, did he come funny, to your but, show yet Oh, no, no, he hasn't. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a busy guy, so I understand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you also mentioned Ron Lucas in your show, which we've had on our show a couple of times already, and we all, we all love Ron. Um, now, Ron also had his afternoon show. Uh, did you get to see that when he had I that here? Did. Yes, I certainly did. In fact, I was—I've uh, been a big fan of Ron and and Jeff. Uh, you know, when I was when I was young and I was just kind of learning how to put together a ventriloquism show, I taped—I um, I, I videotaped Ron's show on Disney Channel and Jeff Dunham's show on Showtime. There was a—it was—I believe it was Showtime—and 
it, he had done a thing with some other entertainers, and it was just a segment of maybe about 20 minutes of Jeff doing his thing on Showtime. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, I watched those thousands of times, just watching, learning how to craft a show. So, uh, so what a pleasure to have gotten to a point in my career where I can call both of them friends and colleagues. Sure. I mean, what I noticed is when you first got your show at the Mirage, you build it and you build yourself as a ventriloquist, which is highly unusual. And uh, Jeff Dunham doesn't do it and Ron Lucas doesn't do it, but you purposely did it. Can you tell us why? Well, yeah, it's because uh, it is a, a big part of what I do. I, I'm an all-around entertainer. I call myself now the voice of entertainment, but I, I don't shy away from the fact that I'm a ventriloquist. Uh, ventriloquism is a vehicle that I use for my entertainment. Um, now, a show like mine is, is utterly different from someone like Ron Lucas or Jeff Dunham in that they tend to be more uh, stand-up comedians who, who use the vehicle of ventriloquism to tell their jokes, whereas... I am an all-around entertainer. I'm an impressionist. I, I sing. I, I do, but I also do comedy, and it's kind of a little bit of everything, and I use ventriloquism as my vehicle. And so uh, I just feel like that, um, you know, the, the, the key is not to shy away from the word ventriloquism. The key is to learn and to work on changing the perception of America uh, that America has toward ventriloquism. Because, you know, when you go to Europe, they don't look down on ventriloquists. They actually have a very high respect of, of ventriloquists. And I think that's something people like uh, myself, Jeff, and Ron can do, is instead of making people go, oh, my gosh, you're a ventriloquist and rolling their eyes, say, oh, wait a minute, you know, ventriloquism can be used as a... Uh, as a vehicle for an inter for entertainment for adults as well as children. So. Correct, correct. But I thought that was brave of you. Nonetheless, <laughs> you know, I I love that you did that because I it really bothered me that, you know, Jeff removed it from his title and so did Ron, and they said that it was being used against them, but I felt that they were a positive role model and it would help us if, they were proud of it and put it out there. Yeah. No, absolutely. And in fact, my slogan for the first few years while I was here at the Mirage was ventriloquism in concert. Yes. And, uh, yes. And it was, you know, I was, a, I, I was doing a concert without moving my lips. And that's really what my show is. It's a, it's a musical concert and I don't move my lips. And, and I mean, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, but didn't you feel the puppets were real when you were watching the show last night? Of Does course. Those illusions just come, come to life? So, of course. So it's not really, it doesn't feel like a one-man show. It really feels like that I look at myself, and I think if more ventriloquists would do this, I think they would be more successful. I look at myself as a talk show host and all of my characters as guests on my talk show. And that's really how I view it, you know. I don't because I want people to feel they're real, and if they don't believe I think they're real, then they're not going to buy into the illusion of, yes. of what's going on on stage. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with much more Terry Fader. We'll be right back, and you are listening to Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle Lafon. Plus, we are streaming live at LasVegasBackstageTalk.com every Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And all previous shows are archived at LasVegasBackstageTalk.com. Please visit our website. When you walk into Dr. Gary Lee's Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic in Henderson, you'll love the design. Created as an elegant refuge of beauty, 
peacefulness and tranquility. If cosmetic surgery is not right for you, then consider what Dr. Lee and the Horizon Ridge Wellness Center can do for you. Dr. Lee specializes in Botox, cosmetic wrinkle filters, spider veins, laser skin technology, anti-aging wellness, and medical weight loss. At Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic, we help you look your best by giving you the inner confidence and strength to feel your best and to project this to the world. Call today, 702-938-0190 or on the web at www.hrwellness.net. The Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic. Paradise Nail Bar is a new experience in service and atmosphere for full-service manicure and pedicure services. With two convenient Las Vegas locations, we've expanded to a new facility in southeast Las Vegas, Eastern and Windmill, as well as in Summerlin. Come and enjoy our services at Paradise Nail Bar and Salon, the finest in services for your salon and spa needs. Offering full-service hair salon, manicure and pedicure, massages and spa. At Paradise Nail Bar, we also do many petty parties for special occasions or any other reason you'd like. Have your party here with friends, beverages, and karaoke. Book now online 24-7 at paradisenailbar.com. Welcome back, and here's more of Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle LaFong. Hey, hey, and we are back with singing impressionist ventriloquist Terry Fader. I feel that, you know, the stigma of ventriloquist is a problem that I certainly, you helped a lot of that. Jeff helped it and Ron helped it. But I think you did more because you did bill yourself as such. And it was almost like a reinvention of ventriloquism when you came out because of your creative um, expression and what you do. It was not like the same old, same old, uh, hacky, crappy stuff, you know. And I, I feel that when I was on the road, especially other comedians were part of the worst they were part of the problem in that they didn't want to follow a puppet. <laughs> so instead, yeah. they they would, you know, say stuff. Now, I caught a, a, an interview with you on television on your first year when you got the show at the Mirage when you were on with, um, what's his name? Jeez. Uh, good Lord. Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett, and yes, yes. I i don't know how it felt to you, but to me, it felt like he didn't like the puppet getting laughs. That's how it felt no, to me. No, he did not. No, he was, he, was, uh, he was very nice off camera, but on camera, he was, he was mean. He was it's, just downright. Thank you. And it, he was that's how I ridiculous. felt. And he was, he was angry and uh, on camera. And, and then off camera, he was the sweetest guy ever. Crazy. And he really did not like, he did not like the puppet. And he did not like that I was a ventriloquist. But, you know, you're, you're absolutely right about that, about how people, uh, the comic community. And see, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate in that I never had to, I never had to go through that because I kind of carved an, a niche for myself in fairs and schools. And I never, I, I, I never played a comedy club until after I won America's Got Talent. 
Uh, and most Is that right? Didn't hire me because I was a ventriloquist, you know. So, oh my god, to deal with that kind of. I, I never had to deal with that kind of uh, uh, resentment and hatred. And but it, it was interesting because afterwards, um, and I got my own show at the Mirage. You know, that's when I found out just how comics really feel about ventriloquists, and they don't like them. They don't like prop comics. They consider ventriloquists prop comics. It's crazy. And interestingly, I've become very good friends with uh, Carrot Top. And, and I'm here to tell you, Carrot Top Show is one of the funniest shows in Las Vegas. It is brilliant, and he is brilliant. And yet, I, I have talked to comedians that absolutely refuse to go and see him and refuse to like him because he is, quote, a prop comic. The interesting thing is, only about 20% of his act is prop comedy. The rest of the time, he's, he is a, just a great first-class comedian. A funny guy, incredibly likable. And you know what I say? I say, uh, oh, well. If you uh, if you're you know if you're successful at something, if something is funny and the audience likes it, you go right ahead and do it, and it really doesn't make any difference. And I, to be honest, I couldn't care less if comedians like me or not. My job is to entertain the crowd, not comedians. So, sure, no, I they, totally they, get they, that. That's their own that's their own viewpoint, you know. I totally get that. It just was deja vu for me watching because that's exactly what I was up against on the road all the time is that attitude, that nasty attitude. He didn't like the fact that you were getting laughs. It just, and he was getting laughs just fine. You weren't stepping on his toes. You came off classy and he came off mean. I didn't understand you know, what, the reason for that, it just seemed so odd, but yet, deja vu. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah, you know, that's what, and that's, that's really kind of, you have to kind of be, uh, I know no man is an island, but if you're going to be a ventriloquist, you really kind of have to be your own island. You cannot, you cannot depend on the desperation of needing to be liked in the comic community because you're not going to be. No, so and if you world. are, you're and, not good. so many comedians... <laughs> So many comedians, and this is certainly not all of them, but so many of them have have, have psychological issues and are very depressed and are very doubt, dark anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I am the exact opposite of that. I'm a guy who I will find, you know, <laughs> I will find the ray of sunshine no matter how dark it is. And I've I've always been an incredibly positive. And yet, I had an I had a very traumatic childhood. I mean, my father was a cult leader for for crying out loud. Um, you know, I was raised in this weird cult that my dad ran um you know i was i was emotionally abused i was physically abused and in so many ways and yet uh, i came out of it a, a very positive person uh so i don't i don't have that dark depressing side of me to me it's all about you know life is is laughter i have a good friend of mine daniel brinkley and uh, he's uh, he, he wrote a book called uh, saved by the light and he was struck by lightning in 1978 and was killed and he went over to the other side and all and he's so far he's had three he's died three times and had three near-death experiences he told me one of my favorite statements and he said if if people are not laughing god is not present and that it was what a profound statement yeah. isn't it yeah and, it is uh so that's just what i kind of live my life by i feel like that god is in the laughter and i just love i love laughing and i love making people laugh and I'm, I'm laughing off stage and on stage. <laughs> so. Well, it shows. It shows. It looks very easy what you're doing. I mean, I know it isn't, but it looks easy. It's just, it looks effortless. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which is what it should be, you know? It should look it, but we all know you that know, it is. Yeah, I think, 
I think if you're, yeah, I think if you're really good at what you do and, and you're having fun with what you do, you, it should look easy. It shouldn't look like, it should look like, wow, I can do that, you know? So it, exactly. I, I, that's a great compliment. Yes, and when, when I first saw you on America's Got Talent, it's like you came out of nowhere because I had not run into you in on any circuit. I Like, you never did cruise ships, I guess. Um, and you know, no, I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't get comedy clubs or cruise ships to book me simply because I was a ventriloquist. They never even looked at my stuff. I would spend, I sent dozens of, uh, promo packs and, uh, but as soon as they saw I was a ventriloquist, they tossed it in the trash. So it was, uh, I just couldn't get anybody. Wow. America's got talent. People would not pay attention. Now what I did was I made a living doing fairs and, uh, I had learned back in the early nineties how to do fair showcases. And what they do is like. Sometimes, like the Rocky Mountain Fair Showcase, uh, that d- does about six different states up in the ro- in the Rocky Mountain area. You know, Idaho, um, uh, Wyoming, Colorado, stuff like that. Uh, Montana, and then uh, sometimes you know go to the Iowa Fair Showcase or the uh, Florida Fair Showcase. Mm-hmm. And I learned to do those. So what I would do is every year when they were doing these showcases, I would book a block. I would work on booking a block to do a twenty minute showcase to show what I did. And they would book me for the fairs. And then I started doing schools where I would do bullying programs and other things where I'd mix comedy and singing along with a program about bullying or a program about, uh, you know, not doing drugs for, uh, for some of the older kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I made my living playing schools and fairs. And so, yeah, I did kind of come out of nowhere. The ventriloquist, I had never been a part of the ventriloquist community. My whole life I always wanted to go to the ventriloquist convention, but I was never able to because I was either – I couldn't afford it when I was, too, when I was younger – and then once I could afford it, I was too busy because it, it happens right in the middle of the summer, and that's when all my fares were. So Right, and the fares, that's a tough life because it's a lot of road stuff, which is why I didn't do it. It was too much road. Yeah, it's all road. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I got some very dear friends that I'm still friends with who are still on the fair circuit doing the same thing I did for, you know, I did it for about uh, 18 years. Ooh. And, and it is very, it's grueling. It's absolutely grueling. Uh, and it's, and it's uh, very, very hard. It's a hard life. Uh, but like I said, you know, I was always a positive person. No matter how bad things were, I always looked at the bright side. And I always looked at, you know, I always enjoyed what I was doing. I was grateful that I didn't have to have a real job, that I got to actually play with puppets and, and, uh, and entertain people for a living and, uh, and take home a paycheck. And so as hard as it wasn't, but that's why I'm that much more grateful. Because here I am at the Mirage. I have my own theater. I go, I, you know, I'm, here I am, I'm sitting in my dressing room doing an interview with you. I'm going to go um, do the show tonight. I'm going to go to a movie afterwards with some friends. And then I'm going to go sleep in my own bed. And that's the way it's been for the last six years uh, since I started at the Mirage. Uh, what, a, what a dream life for, uh, for someone who spent 18 years on the road. It's awesome. It's definitely awesome. Um, now, uh, on America's Got Talent, since it virtually plucked you from obscurity... And, you know, you went through so many business challenges and agents and managers and lawyers and crap. What, if you look back, what might you have been able to do differently to protect yourself in business from these people taking advantage? You know, I think the best thing to do is vet out whoever you want to work with. I I took a lot of people's word for it. I would go to websites and, and take the word for websites, but really what you have to do is you just have to be very, very careful. You have to you have to check into backgrounds. 
You have to make sure, don't take anyone's word for it, because I'm telling you, there's a sucker born every minute, and and uh, this sucker was born in 1965, <laughs> because, man, I was, I was way too trusting, and I just, you know, somebody would come along with a big smile, and, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I've always been a Christian, and, and, you know, all they had to do was say, oh, I'm a Christian too, and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm letting people take advantage of me. So don't let somebody talk you into it. Don't let them use their religion or anything else. Really, truly vet it out and find out, you know, go into the details before you do anything. You know, it's interesting because I talked to Martin Short. I spent an afternoon with Martin Short and uh, talked over some of the, the legal battles I've had and some of the, uh, the, the frustration I've had with uh, people I've met. And I said, How, what was your secret? And he said, you know, he said, I just checked him out thoroughly before I, uh, before I ever signed. And he's been with the same manager for decades. Really? And he said, but before I signed with my, he said, before I signed with my manager, I made absolutely positively sure that he had a reputation and that he had, you know, and that he, um, he was not the kind of person that would uh, do me wrong. And I said, well, good for you. So that's really my... But how do you do that? Part. How do you check them out? Because it's not like either one of your managers had any lawsuits prior to you. It's not like you could just no. look it up, you know. You couldn't just no, look it just up. What do you do? What, yeah, you just find out if what they're telling you is the truth. You know, yeah, they, it's easy for them to say, I did this or I worked with this person. Uh, do, do the, you know, do the background. You know, find out if they really did do the things they claimed they did. Um, and yeah. sometimes there's really nothing you can do because some of it is just trust. Sometimes you can just really trust somebody because you believe, you know, you. but I'm telling you, you may think you know somebody, but when money is involved, you don't know them at all. That's true. That is very <laughs> and that, true. And that's the fact. That you know, is I never so thought, true. There, there are people that, that did things to me that I never in a million years thought they would, but as soon as money got involved, uh, they, they, it, you know, it, it changes people. It really, really does. You know, you hear all the time people are like, um, uh, wow, you know, you're really different. And it's like, maybe, maybe they're not the one who's different. Maybe everybody else is the one who's treating them differently because they became a celebrity. Hmm. And that's, that happens, I think, far more often, far more often than the person who is the celebrity actually changing. So how do you keep yourself from changing when you get burnt? Well, you got to surround yourself by people you trust. You got to f- surround yourself by smart people who um, who are there, who really have your best interests. And that's you know that's a difficult thing. It's not the, the main thing is don't jump into something. You know, um, I, I just kind of got wish I got whisked away into the uh, into the dream. I I um, I was too busy to uh, to vet. And you know, I, I realize there's a lot of um, uh, controversy surrounding Bill Cosby to be giving some great advice. Uh, I met with him, I, you know, we, we talked, and um, he said, uh, he said, I've heard about your success, and this was way before all the, all of the new allegations and all this, right. he said, I've heard about your success, and he goes, I'm going to give you one piece of advice, and I want you to listen carefully to this, and he looked me right in the eye, and he said, always sign every single check that goes out of your account yourself, never put that on somebody else, and that is, my, is one of the best pieces of advice I can give anybody, because I'm here to tell you right now. If you give other people access to your own bank account, you will get screwed. Did that happen to you? Don't. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say sign your own checks. Make sure you sign. You are the only person who can sign a check out of your account. That's my advice. You mean excluding nobody? Uh, well, uh, that means nobody. That means you, you look at every single check that goes out and you sign it yourself. 
And that's probably the best piece of advice I could ever give anyone if you ever get, get fortunate enough to, uh, to hit it in this business. Interesting. I mean, I, I can see that. Change, money changes people. Money changes people. And you think, oh, you know, I can trust, you know. And, and, uh, and the great thing is, uh, you know, my brother uh, did run did run my business and he did and and he never stole a penny from me so he never did uh and he did and and i'm i'm not i'm not certainly not accusing my brother but i'm just saying uh, even even though he was my own brother yeah uh once i went through some of the other things with some of the other people man i took control and i said i want to see every check and i want to personally sign every single check that goes out of my bank account everyone and so by the time bill cosby gave me that advice i was already doing that ah. and that that is just absolutely vital and and I don't care who they are you know and it doesn't mean you're, you don't have to be mean about it just make sure you are in the one in charge of ch- signing every single check because don't ever give anyone else uh, access to your bank account if you start making a lot of money we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with much more Terry Fader we'll be right back and you are listening to Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host comedian Michelle LaFon. Plus, we are streaming live at LasVegasBackstageTalk.com every Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And all previous shows are archived at LasVegasBackstageTalk.com. Please visit our website. How would you like to create a whole new you? That's right. That person you see in the mirror every day, well, you can change how you look and how you feel about yourself by calling Hairworks by Janice Fusaro. Janice Fusaro is the Maserati of hair extension with over 20 years of experience and is the best of Las Vegas, specializing in great lengths and is certified by all the top hair extension companies. And feathers are available. Whether it's making your hair longer or thicker, Janice can make your dreams come true. Go to longhairextensions.net and see the before and afters. And then pick up the phone and make an appointment for your free, that's right, free consultation. Call 702-326-6564. It's a whole new you with Hairworks by Janice Fasaro. When you walk into Dr. Gary Lee's Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic in Henderson, you'll love the design. Created as an elegant refuge of beauty, peacefulness, and tranquility. If cosmetic surgery is not right for you, then consider what Dr. Lee and the Horizon Ridge Wellness Center can do for you. Dr. Lee specializes in Botox. Cosmetic wrinkle filters, spider veins, laser skin technology, anti-aging wellness, and medical weight loss. At Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic, we help you look your best by giving you the inner confidence and strength to feel your best and to project this to the world. Call today, 702-938-0190 or on the web, at www.hrwellness.net The Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic Welcome back and here's more of Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle LaFong Hey, hey, and we are back with singing impressionist ventriloquist Terry Fader So here you are you win on America's Got Talent how much time did you actually have at, for an act when you had all this fame? 
and you had to to put a show together for uh, the Hilton. Well, you know, it was it was actually one of the easiest things I've ever done, and the reason was I had spent the last uh, twenty years doing fairs and schools, so I had you know th- four hours worth of material. It wasn't a matter of oh my gosh, how am I going to put together an hour and a half? It was what am I going to cut? Oh, really? Out of my four hours of material, because I was doing so many impressions. You know, I was doing Roy Orbison and and Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and and Etta James and I was doing uh, you know whoever the you know I, I don't even remember because it was seven years ago but whoever was popular uh, at the time so I you know I my act was I, I had so much that I had been doing that it was really a matter of cutting it down and saying okay I'm only going to do the best of the best of the best and you know I already had my comedy skits written I already had the different things and uh, and so it that was really uh, not not a, a difficult thing. And so many people, you know, they go on America's Got Talent and they don't know what to do. It, the, the thing was, you know, something like America's Got Talent really lends itself to what I do. You know, a comedian, it's got to be especially hard for a comedian because, you know, to, getting 90 seconds yep. to show what you do. <laughs> you know, most comedians will take five, a good five minutes to kind of warm the crowd yep. up, let them get to know your personality. That's so difficult. Whereas what I do... I do an impressions of singers. So all I have to do is pull out a puppet and sing Etta James without moving my lips. Exactly. You know, and that, so it really lends itself to that kind of, of, first of all, wow factor, where people go, oh my gosh, I've never seen anybody do that. And secondly, it, it lends itself to them saying, I want to vote for this person because I want to see what impression they're going to do next week. Right. You know, And so that really, you know, the, the thing... The setup and the, the way America's Got Talent is kind of formatted is so perfect for what I do. And people are, they found it, they still to this day find it remarkable. They come to my show in Vegas and they'll say, you know, I just couldn't believe that you were going to be able to do an hour and a half and, uh, you know, and keep me entertained for an hour and a half. Because what I saw, they just saw these little snippets on America's Got Talent. And they say, but I'll be doggone if you didn't. You had me rolling for an hour and a half and just, you know, so. Right. So, uh. Yeah, so you because know, it's it, variety. But, it's but not just, just one thing. You know, that's twenty years of that's twenty years of just working and working and working and honing and <laughs> yeah. So it's just a lot, a lot of hard work. But, but don't you think, Terry, um, that it's because you're an entertainer? So many ventriloquists are just good at that, but they're not really entertainers. It's like there's a difference. It just is. You know what I'm no, saying? No, you're right. And, and I am an all-around entertainer. And that's really kind of, that's that's what my forte is. My forte is, um, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that, um, you know, I, if you give me a living room and people say, entertain us, uh, man, I'm there. I, I'm, I, you know, I'll say, great, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what do you want? <laughs> and I'll start, I'll start making people laugh. I'll start, I'll start singing songs, you know, uh, you know, give me a karaoke machine and I'm, I'm there. So. So it's, exactly. uh, it's just, you know, I just love to entertain. I truly, truly love to entertain. And I, and I try, and, and another thing that, that has always been a very important part of what I do, and I tell people this when, you know, people say advice, I say, if there's something you do, try to figure out how to put it into your act. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You know, maybe you, maybe you're, you can play a song on, you know, just like um, uh, the, song, the, the movie Pitch Perfect when uh, Anna Kendrick played the little thing with Cuffs. Well, maybe you can do that. Put that in your act. Mm-hmm. Try it, because people love different forms of entertainment. So whatever it is you do, if you do something that's unique or different, put it in your act. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do it for 20 minutes, but, you know, give people something, 
um, gives people something a little different, you know. So. Absolutely. Do you have any trouble remembering stuff, material, or like when you write new things and, and like do you get lost sometimes or need cue cards or anything like that? Yes, I absolutely. Um, I put so much new material in that there's no way I could memorize it all. So what I do is I, um, I, I have a, uh, a teleprompter, uh, just, and usually I don't like read directly off of it, but it just kind of helps me to, uh, to keep, keep things uh, so that I don't get confused. And I sure. have somebody off stage running the teleprompter at all times. So, That's great. So, so how do they know where you are in, in any, you know, like it, do you just have the subjects uh, of the thing or do you have the actual lines? Uh, no, I have I have the actual lines because sometimes something is you know a joke that I've written what might be uh, have a, have to have a specific wording and I don't want to forget uh, and I don't want to mess up the wording of that so so I'll just have it and then usually I'll have to use the uh, teleprompter for four or five days when I write a new joke and then I then I start getting used to doing it so wow that's so much better that because Bill Maher was nice enough to take me backstage and show me his, you know, handmade teleprompter, which is a music stand with notes, uh, like, weighted on it, so that he could, you know, and he was, like, absolutely seamless. You couldn't even, you, you couldn't, I didn't know how he did it. It was like a magic trick, you know? <laughs> That's fantastic. You yeah, see, I, I actually use two iPads, and I just bought two iPads, and you can link them together using Wi-Fi, and... Uh, and then we bought, we have a teleprompter uh, app that goes, and then when you when you scroll on one, it scrolls the other one, and that's what I use. How awesome! That is just state of the art, you know. And you say you change your stuff very often. How often do you try out new jokes? Constantly, you know. As soon as something happens, you know, you saw last night. We have things about the Hillary Clinton's email. We have. Uh, you know, and, and the funny thing is the, the deflated football joke about um, the Patriots. Yeah, I figured that was I figured that was going to last about a week. But pe as long as my thing is, as long as people are laughing, I'm going to be dealing, I'm going to be doing the joke. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, exactly. People are still laughing about it. So, uh, so as long as they're laughing, the, the joke stays in. But, you know, that's that's what I, I try to have. I try to have um, uh, something if something's in the news. I usually give it a day or two to find out if it has legs or something people are talking about, but a joke will go in my show. So I, that's a constant thing for me. How much of your time during the day, Terry, do you spend going through newspapers or listening to the news and write notes and things like that? I do it uh, throughout the day. You know, I'll, I'll turn on the news and just see what people are talking about and, uh, and uh, so, uh, but it's just something I do. I'm constantly doing, and and of course, having you know, being number two on the Forbes list and having a, a, show, a successful show in Vegas. Um, my head writer was one of the uh, writers for the Jay Leno show for the entire run of the show. So I'm able to afford a really good writer, and and I, that's his job is to uh, say, hey, listen, they're all talking about Hillary Clinton's email, uh, and he jots down a couple of jokes. And it's the funny thing about that is. I almost never use the joke he sends me, but but we have this amazing relationship where he will send me three or four jokes, mm -hmm. and I won't necessarily like the way he worded them, but I will. It, it will spur me on to write my own joke that is either similar or it will just spur me to write a uh, spur me on to write a completely different joke. But uh, we that's the kind of relationship we have is that he's the one. He's kind of my catalyst. You know, he's yeah. my he, he's 
he will be the catalyst for me to uh, to write a joke about something. So we have this fantastic relationship, and he's a, he's an amazing writer. And so uh, so that's really his job is to keep me uh, keep uh, keep thinking of things that I'm going to be uh, anything that needs to go in the show. Does he think of characters for you too, or do you do you come up with the characters always, and then or do you oh, discuss I, it with yeah. him? No, I always come up with the characters. That's always me. And the way I, the way my show works is, uh, I, I create the characters myself, and then I will determine what the story arc of that character is. For example, um, Winston, the impersonating turtle, you saw last night. Uh, he decided to go to Hollywood and try his luck as a Hollywood star. So that was all mine, you know. And right. I said, so what am I going to do now? When I when I rewrite Winston or or Walter T. Airedale running for president. So I will come up with these and I'll say, okay, so I've got Walter T. Airedale and I'll sit down with my writers and I'll say, uh, here's what's going to happen. Winston, the impersonating turtle, is going to go to Hollywood. So let's let's talk about how uh, how we're going to do that. That, uh, and we start I, I writing understand the that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you kind of bench some of your characters to bring in other characters, do you not? Yeah, well, yes, sometimes I have to. You know, like Barry Fabulous uh, is, is one of my favorite characters. I just absolutely adore him. But, you know, uh, but he's he tends to be more on the adult side like Vicky the Cougar. So I don't want to have two adult characters that do that do more the kind of double entendre sex jokes. So so uh, so it's either going to be one or the other. I'm not going to have both of them in one show. Right. Uh, so so you know it'll be so when Vicky is done, Vicky the Cougar. When I'm done with this run, I'll probably put in Barry Fabulous. And I love doing Barry Fabulous because Barry Fabulous. Um, I actually, you know, the character is is similar to Agador Spartacus from uh, the Birdcage, mm -hmm. and I very very fabulous. It's like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's <laughs> such a wonderful place for us all. And then uh, Barry gets to do all of my show tunes. You know, he's the one that'll be doing, um, you know, Cher and Barbara Streisand and Ethel Merman and stuff like that. Right. So I love doing that character. You know, and it, and it's such a fun, but. You know, so then, and then of course Monte Carlo, who is kind of my Vegasy lounge guy, who does the, you know, who will do Frank Sinatra and other stuff. Um, you know, he'll he'll get replaced uh, by you know Rex, the uh, the crash test dummy, and and you just you know, there's you only have 90, 90 to ninety five minutes. You know, you have to pick and choose what you want to do. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with much more Terry Fader. We'll be right back, and you are listening to Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle LaFon. Plus, we are streaming live at LasVegasBackstageTalk.com every Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And all previous shows are archived at LasVegasBackstageTalk.com. Please visit our website. How would you like to create a whole new you? That's right. That person you see in the mirror every day, well, you can change how you look and how you feel about yourself by calling Hairworks by Janice Fusaro. Janice Fusaro is the Maserati of hair extension with over 20 years of experience and is the best of Las Vegas, specializing in great lengths and is certified by all the top hair extension companies. 
and feathers are available. Whether it's making your hair longer or thicker, Janice can make your dreams come true. Go to longhairextensions.net and see the before and afters. And then pick up the phone and make an appointment for your free, that's right, free consultation. Call 702-326-6564. It's a whole new you with HairWorks by Janice Fasaro. When you walk into Dr. Gary Lee's Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic in Henderson, you'll love the design. Created as an elegant refuge of beauty, peacefulness, and tranquility. If cosmetic surgery is not right for you, then consider what Dr. Lee and the Horizon Ridge Wellness Center can do for you. Dr. Lee specializes in Botox. Cosmetic wrinkle filters, spider veins, laser skin technology, anti-aging wellness, and medical weight loss. At Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic, we help you look your best by giving you the inner confidence and strength to feel your best and to project this to the world. Call today, 702-938-0190 or on the web, at www.hrwellness.net The Horizon Ridge Wellness Clinic Welcome back and here's more of Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle LaFong Hey, hey, and we are back with singing impressionist ventriloquist Terry Fader Now, who were your ventriloquist idols Terry Fader? You know, growing up, um one of the things I, I realize people people look at Edgar Bergen and they say, well, he wasn't a very good ventriloquist. But but what you don't understand was, you know, yeah, his lips moved uh, a lot, but there was nobody better at character creation than Edgar Bergen. You know, because he created these these amazing characters that were beloved by millions upon millions of people worldwide. Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Sturt, and that right there is what made him and uh, one of the best uh, of all time. Because ventriloquism is not necessarily so much about, oh, I can talk without moving my lips. If you don't have an engaging character that people are in love with, then, you know, you're not going to be a successful ventriloquist. It's about creating a memorable character that people love, you know, and that's where, that's something that, that I learned from him. Of course, Paul Winchell, who, uh, who had Jerry Mahoney, and then Jimmy Nelson, who had Farkle the Dog, mm-hmm. Danny O'Day, and, and uh, you know, I, I, some of the older uh, uh, fans here are going to remember, you know, him doing N-E-S-T-L-E-E, chocolate. Yeah. But that's really what it's about. It's about creating a memorable character. You know, Winston the Impersonating Turtle. You've got a turtle who does impressions of singers. You know, that's something that people just, that people latched onto when I was on America's Got Talent. And, you know, there's something unbelievably charming about a turtle who can sing like Roy Orbison. Exactly. It's about character creation. Create a character that people are going to fall in love with, that they're going to like, and they're going to want to see time and time and time again. And that's where where my inspiration came from, was people like, um, you know, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop and Jimmy Nelson and, of course, Willie Tyler and Lester. And these were the people that... You know, these were the people that that inspired me when I was young. Really? Now, you left out the person who was, uh, well, I'm his protege. You left him out. Can you guess? Uh, So right? So right. He's good. He's good. Oh, 
Oh, of course, Senior Winston. Yes! Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, the, the, the great thing I loved about Senior Winston is that um, he was a guy who who could entertain you anytime, anywhere. That's right. You know, I mean, he didn't have to have, you know, the whole the hell head in the box and, and all this. And, and uh, you know, I heard the story of that. And he um, the reason he did that was because his character was destroyed. Uh, he was he had he was on a train, correct? And the the box got crushed, and his character was destroyed, and he had a show. So he just he just put a head in the box. That's right. Turned, and you know, and turned it into a legendary uh, creation. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, any pretty much any of these. I'm sure there's some that I'm forgetting, but yeah, all of these, any one of these. If I saw a ventriloquist when I was young, uh, they 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 inspired me. They were an inspiration to me. Do you still watch America's Got Talent? Of course, you do. I love the show. I mean, it's. You know, it's a, it's the show that that gave me my big break. But, you know, I wouldn't be at the Mirage if it wasn't for America's Got Talent. And I and I just adore watching the show. I love, uh, you know, I love watching. I, it's so exciting when it starts every year, and I go, okay, who's going to be, who's going to win this year? And I like to try to um, to pick who I think is going to be in the top ten as they're doing it. You know, I'm like, well, you know, that that person definitely could easily be in the top ten or or whatever, and it's, it's always fun. Uh, do you vote? Do I just love the show. Do you vote for the person? I certainly do if I like them enough. And you tweet it Wait out it. And, and support them and stuff like that, too? You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, well, I, I will now because I've just now started to get involved in my own tweets and, and all that. I've, I have a company that does most of my tweets and stuff, but I, I'm just now starting to do my own Facebook, so I'll probably, uh, yeah, I'll probably be talking about my favorites. Uh, you know, I, Kenichi Abina, uh, who yes. won two years ago, wow, I voted for him with, I, I had like four computers I voted, I wanted him to win so bad, and I'm so glad he won. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that's that's very cool. Do you think, Terry, that another ventriloquist could possibly win the million dollars, or is that like uh, such a long shot? No, absolutely. I think it's about talent. I think it's about if somebody came on there and, and did something incredibly innovative and unique and used the uh, vehicle of ventriloquism, I absolutely think a ventriloquist could win again. You know, we'll just have to watch. That would be something. I hope that something like that happens because when you won, it really opened the doors. I mean, it just made a huge difference in the way ventriloquism was viewed. I mean, here's the fact. That he, let me ask you this, too. When uh, Jeff Dunham announced that he was trying a residency here in Vegas, what was your first reaction to that? Mm. I was thrilled. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I went to see Jeff Dunham's uh, opening weekend and uh, and was just, you know, to, I wanted to be there to support him. But did you uh, think that would help? In Las Vegas. What's that? Did you think it would help get the word out about ventriloquists? Because I have a theory that the more people love a ventriloquist, the more they're going to see the next ventriloquist that has a show on the show. Absolute, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, um, I, I feel like that, you know, all, the, all it's going to take is a few really good ventriloquists to show people that ventriloquists are not just for kids and are not, you know, just yeah. for birthday parties and stuff. And, you know, it's not nothing, nothing uh, to not to say anything negative about those who, who make their career doing kids' birthday parties or children's church, but... Um, but you know, uh, because there is a place for those people too, and that's and that's wonderful. But you know, uh, if you're going to be a top entertainer, you're going to have to have top entertainment ability, and you're going to have to have top material. And really, material is is as important, if not more important, than skills. You know, a really mm -hmm. writer and and a really funny material 
will will transcend somebody who might not have the skills, um, you know, the top skills. Uh, because people want to be entertained. That's really what it is. It's all about being entertained, and that's why I say, you know, comedians, whatever you can you can hate prop comics all you want, but if that prop comic is entertaining people, then and you're not, then then they're doing a better exactly. job. Exactly. So you can resent, you know, it's, it's, it's not about, oh, are you a purist? It's about, are you entertaining the people? Because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about the crowd. That's You know, at exactly the end of the day, right. they're the ones who are going to plop down that money to go see you. That's right. And, and you know, and if you're making it all about yourself, then uh, you're missing the whole boat and you're missing the entire point. Of, uh, of what it is to be an entertainer. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, backstage last night, I love the way you have everything set up back there. It is just so cool. It looks so 50s, and, you know, it just has a novelty, you know, feel to it. You had some Verna puppets, and you had some Axtells, and, I mean, you know, you just have a little bit of everything. Your new character, who made that character? <laughs> Keith Lovick, who who is the uh, the nephew of Craig Lovick, oh. worked um, who uh, worked for Chuck Jackson, and you know very very well known in the vet community as one of the top puppet makers uh, back in the eighties. And uh, uh, surprisingly, um, Craig Lovick is the one who made Walter T. Airedale uh, my character, and and uh, my my mom actually bought Walter directly from uh, Chuck Jackson back in nineteen eighty. Three, I believe. Amazing. Um, and yes, and then when Keith started to work on him, I actually met Keith um, uh, through Craig. In fact, and Craig said, "Yeah, my nephew. I don't work on puppets anymore, but Craig, but Keith does." And and so I contacted Keith, and when Keith, I, I sent Walter to be refurbed, uh, and Keith opened him up, and it had Craig's uh, signature on the inside. Well, <laughs> so but, wow! Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. So, of all your puppets. Who are the makers of them? Like, yeah, how many puppets do you have in your show currently? I have, you know, about, there's like nine puppets in the show. And I, they're made by uh, many, many different people. Uh, the, um, uh, let's see, Winston, Vic, uh, and I'm sorry, not Vicky. Vicky is made by Steve Axtell. Right. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Winston, Emma, Julius, uh, Dougie, and Rex were all made by, uh, by Puppet Heap, or this, which is the same company works with the Jim Henson puppets. Um, and then, uh, hmm. let's see, any, oh, Hyphen was actually made by a guy named Randy Simper, who is the guy who made Alf. Uh, so oh. he's, a, he's an amazing, amazing uh, inventor, and he's come up with so many different, fascinating uh, uh, different things. And, and he also made the, uh, the Lady Gaga mask that I used. Oh yeah, that, that was very Michelle, cool. But I have to go because I have to. Uh, I have another interview I have to do. But I, this has been so much fun, and I love doing these long, drawn-out interviews. These are these are so much fun. You know, yes, it's like we got to talk about a lot of quality stuff, and, and what a, what a fun time! I hope we get to do this again in the future. Absolutely, and that's it for this week. And we'll see you next time. You have been listening to Las Vegas Backstage Talk with your host, comedian Michelle Lafon, where you can listen in on those inside conversations and backstage stories with the stars that make Las Vegas the entertainment capital of the world. We are streaming live every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on LasVegasBackstageTalk.com. Audio of past shows are archived on LasVegasBackstageTalk.com. Videos of backstage interviews are also on LasVegasBackstageTalk.com. And we are available on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Las Vegas Backstage Talk.